0: This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce and the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petrie family, the family that took time to bring you good wine invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. Tonight, instead of joining the doctor at his home, we're all meeting here at Camp Roberts in California, where the doctor's going to tell his story before a large audience of G.I.s. And, as usual, I'm going to tell my story right now. It's about Petri California Sherry. And I want you to know that Petri Sherry is the best beginning a good meal ever had. Before you sit down to dinner some evening soon, just pour yourself a glass of Petri Sherry. Look at that rich, dark, amber color. Just smell the fragrance of those wonderful grapes. And then taste that Petri Sherry. Mm, Is that ever good? And say, if you like your Sherry on the dry side, you know, not sweet, then just wait till you taste Petri Pale Dry Sherry. If some of your family like regular Sherry and some like Pale Dry, don't buy one, buy two. You can't go wrong so long as you buy Petri. P-E-T-R-I. Petrie Sherry. And now let's join Dr. Watson and get on with our story. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Well, Doctor, your study seems a little bigger than usual this week. (laughs) Yes, my boy.
1: I felt that as tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure was rather an exciting one... The men here at Camp Roberts might like me to to tell it to them in person.
0: I'm sure they will, Doctor.
1: Which particular story have you selected? One that I call The Strange Case of the Murder in Wax. It concerns one of the most sinister mass murderers who ever threatened the peace of London. It was in the summer of 1900, and the city had been rocked by a series of ghastly murders on Hampstead Heath. Hampstead Heath? Yes, Hampstead Heath. That's a large rambling park in the suburbs of London, Mr. Bartell and noted as a rendezvous for young lovers. It was here that the elusive murderer, knife in hand, was wont to roam at night-time, searching for his prey. All of his victims were young girls, and despite the frantic efforts of the police, each murder seemed to be as baffling as the one that preceded it. Finally, of course, as usual, Scotland Yard came to Sherlock Holmes for help. It seems almost like yesterday, Mr. Bartell, that Inspector Lestrade stood in our Baker Street rooms, Holmes to handle the case. Mr. Holmes, you've got to help us. I don't
2: mind telling you the
3: yard's at the end of its rope. I sympathize with you, Lestrade, but I don't see that there's much that I can do. Only the police can handle the widespread detailed work necessary to this case. The private detective is helpless. Yes, perhaps if you'd come to Mr. Holmes in the first place, Lestrade, he might have helped you. But the
2: murderer hasn't finished yet. There'll be more killings if we don't catch him, you mark my
3: words. Mr. Holmes. Please help us, won't you? Before I commit myself to stride, give me the exact chronology of events, will you? All my information on the murders has been derived from the London newspapers. Notoriously inaccurate, in matters of fact. I can give you
2: all the particulars, sir. I've been on the case right from the beginning. All the murders have taken place on Amstead Heath at night time, and all the victims have been young women. was well, the first one? A girl by the name of Oakley, a Bessie Oakley. She was a shop girl who worked at Derry and Tom's in... Kensington High Street. Three weeks ago, she was out on the east with a young fella by the name of Alfred Smith. From what he told me, it was a moonlight night that night as they sat there out on the east.
0: Come on, Bessie, give us a kiss. (laughs) Oh, go on, Fred. Don't be so soppy. I ain't soppy. Come on, Bess. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, hello. Who's this coming towards us? Bloomin' prowler. Here, you, what you want. Can't you say something? Look how Bessie's got a knife. No, you don't. Uh, You devil, you... You you, hit my Fred. Keep away from me. Keep away from me, you... And that's all I know, Inspector Lestrade. I never got a good look at him. He caught me on the head, and when I come to, there was poor Bessie with a throat cut. That's your
2: story, young fellow, my
0: lad. All right, Sergeant... You can book him on
4: suspicion
2: of murder.
0: Sir George, we shouldn't be walking on the heath. Didn't you read about the murder here two days ago?
4: It's a fine thing. I, I take you out in the moonlight, and you talk of murders. Let's talk about us, Violet, darling.
0: It seems to me we should talk about your wife.
4: My wife doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Violet, if I could get a divorce, Shh. I'd...
0: There's someone behind that tree. She's coming towards us.
4: Who are you, sir? what do you... No, you don't! I... Oh!
0: Don't come near
4: me. Don't! Ah! Inspector Lestrade, she's she's dead, poor girl, I know, but a scandal can't bring her back. If there's any way to keep my name out of the papers, I... Yeah, I'm afraid you'll
2: have to take your chances, Sir George. Oh, and Sergeant...
0: Yes, Inspector?
2: Yeah, you can turn that boy loose, L for questioning. The man who did this is obviously the same killer. I'm afraid we're going to hear a lot more from him.
5: Light edition, evening paper Empson Heath murder strikes for fifth time Nine girls murdered on Empson Heath Light edition, evening paper here
4: Now, look here, miss You can't go walking by yourself on the Heath It ain't safe
0: Oh, thank you, constable But but I'm not frightened I want to be by myself I want to think
4: Well, I can't stop you by law, I suppose But you shouldn't do it yeah. I don't know how to handle these modern young things, and that's a fact. <laughs> Inspector Lestrade, he must have killed her the moment she got out of my sight. I searched the old Ruddy Heath, but I couldn't find the murderer. But I did startle him. He left his knife in the body.
3: Good,
2: Jackson. Uh, the body's uh, not been identified yet, eh?
4: No, Inspector.
2: Uh, we'll print her a photograph in all the papers. We've got to find out who she is. <laughs> Mr. Bishop, is the, this the uh, body of
5: your missing daughter? Yes, it's Rosie, my Rose. Inspector Lestrade, if I ever lay my hands on that murdering fiend, I'll kill him. I'll kill him with my bare hand.
2: There's the story, Mr. Holmes. Rose Bishop was the tenth and last girl murdered. But she was the first girl murdered when she was alone. Name Lestrade? Yes, sir. You found no clues? Well, none that proved anything when we checked on them. Let me ask you a question or two, Lestrade. Well, anything you like, sir. You've taken the obvious precautions, of course. Oh, how do you mean, You sir? posted a heavy police guard on Heath? Well, oh, yes, sir. We've had a hundred plainclothesmen walking there at night ever since the second murder. But he he seems to slip through our fingers. I suppose you've also posted policemen dressed in women's clothes. Yes, Miss Holmes. And we've hired girls to walk the Heath in couples with our plainclothesmen. But the murderer won't seem to rise to
3: our bait. Uh, he's a cunning brute. Yes, he yes, Watson. Obviously a morbid madman obsessed by a hatred of love. He'll be hard to catch. Mastrade, you mentioned clues that amounted to nothing when you checked them. What were these clues? Well, uh, footprints, a couple of
2: cigarette butts dropped at the scene of the crime. Nothing that helped us. The only important clue was the knife we found in the body of rose bishop uh, the uh, last girl murdered of course the experts at the yard examined it yes sir didn't tell us a thing though
3: you got the knife with you <laughs>
2: here it is mr holmes i knew you wouldn't trust us <laughs> you'd want to look at it yourself
3: <laughs> thank you lestrade yeah mm-hmm. interesting what, what is it huh? this knife is a collector's item It's at least a hundred years old, I should say. May I keep this overnight, Lestrade? I should like to conduct a few experiments of my own.
1: Why, of course you can, sir. Then you are going to take on the case, Holmes?
3: Let us say that I'll take it under advisement. I'll do my best, Lestrade. I'll do my best. Well, thank you, sir. If any further developments occur, communicate with me at once, will you? Yes, sir. In the meanwhile, I'll smoke a few pipes on the problem. But I promise nothing, my dear fellow. I promise absolutely nothing. (laughs)
1: clock in the morning, Holmes. You're still peering through your microscope at that knife Lestrade. Oh, listens, that's
3: you. true, old chap. That's quite true. I must be a very dull companion. Why don't you go to bed? Oh,
1: because I'm afraid I may miss something. Confound it. Have you discovered anything?
3: Yes, I think so.
1: Oh, what? The handle of this
3: knife is corrugated. On the underside, I observed a slight diffusion in the markings. Under the penetrating eye of the microscope, I found uh, minute deposits which had caused the diffusion. I have just analyzed that deposit. It's wax, colored wax. Colored wax? Well, what does that signify? Oh, by itself, very little. But when you combine it with a knife that definitely belongs to another century, it does suggest a certain origin. I've
1: got an idea. Perhaps it came from the theater. An 18th century dagger could belong in a period play. And the colored wax might easily be part of an actor's maker. Ah, an excellent deduction, Watson. Oh, thanks you. <laughs> However, my own theory would be that this dagger came
3: from a waxworks exhibition. Oh,
1: wrong again. Putty is
3: used in theatrical disguises, but I don't recall the use of colored wax.
1: Whereas it is used in making waxen effigies. And, of course, the dagger would belong as part of the costume. Precisely, my dear
3: fellow. It's a long chance, but uh, I think in the morning we'll make a tour of the various London waxworks exhibitions... If my deduction is a false one, at least we'll have the pleasure of a busman's holiday. We can visit all our old friends who died on the gallows.
1: Any tired, old chap? Uh, I must say I'm a little weary. This is the fourth
3: Waxworks exhibition that we've been to. The fourth and the last. We fail to find any clues here at... Levesque's museum. We can return to Big Street.
1: Well, thank heaven. This is our last port of call. I'm so dizzy from looking at waxworks that they begin to look like human beings to me. <laughs> Did you notice that I asked directions from the wax policeman at the entrance door just <laughs> now? <sir? laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: well, I'm sure many people have been uh, deceived in the same way. Uh-huh. Here we are.
1: Well, Monsieur Levesque doesn't believe in understatement, does he? Look look at that sign oh, there. gracious me. Chamber
3: of Horrors, come in and see the pageant of murder. All the great killers of history reenacting their famous crimes. Well, <laughs> let's go in, Watson. We should feel thoroughly at home.
1: Creepy in here, isn't it? I've heard that Mr. Levesque will pay a hundred pounds to anyone who will spend all night alone in the Chamber of Horrors. Yes, I've heard of that challenge, too. Are you thinking of accepting the bet? Great Scott, now I wouldn't spend a night here for a thousand. A very comprehensive collection
3: of killers, aren't they? see, Williams, Wainwrights. Ah, the Marchioness de Brinvilliers.
1: By George, yes. She was an attractive woman, wasn't she? As trim a pair of ankles as ever I've seen.
3: Yes, but you wouldn't have liked her cooking, Watson. She used the most lethal condiments of almost any woman in history. Hello. What is it? Look over there. Uh,
1: <laughs> I was wondering when we'd come to one of your cases. Dr. Grimsby Rylott and the murder at Stoke Moran. Or the case of the speckled band. By Joe, Holmes, the tableau's extraordinarily realistic, isn't it? Yes.
3: One of other old friends of mine are represented here. I should rather like to renew acquaintance with Ricoletti of the Clubfoot and his abominable wife. Ricoletti? I don't remember him, Holmes. Oh, one of my earlier cases, old fellow. I must tell you that story sometime. I
1: wish you would. I've often... Holmes, look, that veiled figure over there. Read the placard in front of it. The Hampstead Heath murderer. Well.
3: How very interesting. The face is covered with a black veil. Is this pure showmanship, I wonder, or does Monsieur Levesque know more than Scotland Yard and I? Uh,
5: good day to you, gentlemen. Scott, you 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 startle me, sir? Are you admiring my collection of murderers? Monsieur Levesque? Yes, sir. And haven't I the distinction of addressing Mr. Sherlock Holmes? That is my name, and this is my friend Dr. Watson. How do you do? How do you do, Doctor? I am greatly honored to meet you both. What do you think of my chamber of horrors? Oh,
3: oh, it's very impressive. We're particularly interested in this veiled figure of the Hampstead Heath murderer. Yes,
5: indeed we are, sir. Is there a face behind beneath that, that veil? <laughs> I'll let you in on a trade secret, gentlemen. There are no recognizable features behind that veil. This is purely for publicity purposes. The public always expects to see the latest horrors here. And I, I thought I'd titillate their morbid palates by, by having a mysterious figure representing the killer. Of course, if he is captured, I shall add his effigy to my collection... You think he will be captured, then? One can only speculate. He's a clever man, Mr. Holmes. And by the way, Monsieur Levesque, does your offer of
3: £100 to anyone who will spend a night in the Chamber of Horrors still hold good? Oh, yes.
5: Are you thinking of accepting the bet, Mr. Holmes? Uh, no,
3: but Dr. Watson would like to. Well,
5: no, I, right, don't, I recommend don't recommend the experience, Doctor. It's an ordeal that calls for nerves of steel. However, I shall be glad to arrange for oh, it. I haven't the slightest intention of Of backing
3: down thing. now? Of course you haven't, old fellow. What time shall my
5: friend return, sir? About 11.30 tonight. I'll be waiting for him at the main entrance. Splendid. Come on, Watson. Holmes, I told you... Good day, Monsieur Levesque. Good day, gentlemen. I shall be waiting for you tonight, Doctor.
1: Holmes, what the blazes do you think you're doing? I haven't the slightest intention of keeping that appointment tonight. Well, of course you haven't. I shall keep it. Disguised as you. You keep... For heaven's sake, tell me what you're up to, Holmes. You didn't even mention that missing dagger
3: to Levesque. No, because he knows something about the murderer. I'm convinced of it. Oh, why'd you say that? As we were standing there talking to him, a breath of air from the open window blew back a corner of the veil. I'll swear that there are clearly defined features beneath it.
1: And so you're going back there tonight to find out? That's
3: right, old fellow. The superstitious used to believe they could use a waxen image to kill a man. Tonight, Watson, we shall prove that a waxen image can be used to trap a killer. <laughs>
0: Dr. Watson will continue his story in just a second, so I'm just going to remind you that there are lots of ways to make good food taste better. But the easiest way is to serve that food with a good wine, a Petri wine. If you like a white wine with chicken or with fish, you'll love that wonderful Petri California sautern. If you like a red wine, then rich, hearty Petri California Burgundy is your wine. But if you don't know which you prefer... Why not try them both? Petri Burgundy and Petri Turn, Red and white. Don't buy one, buy two. But always buy Petri. Well, doctor, so Sherlock Holmes decided to disguise himself as you and spend a night in the Chamber of Horrors, Yes, huh?
1: that's right, Mr. Bartell. After dinner that night, he began to apply the makeup. It's uncanny to sit there in Baker Street and watch Holmes slowly turning into a very convincing replica of myself. As he did so, we discussed
3: last-minute arrangements. See, I'm promptly at 11.30, Watson. If I'm not back here by 2 o'clock, you'd better come out to me. Well, you should
1: let me come and wait outside, old fellow, just in case there's any trouble. No, 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 no. You'd attract attention. By the way, uh,
3: do you recall the name of the last girl murdered on the heath?
1: Yes. Bishop. Uh, Rose Bishop, wasn't it? Exactly.
3: The only girl who was murdered when she was unescorted. The body was identified by her father. Well,
1: what of it, Holmes.
3: Levesque is a French name, and yet the gentleman had a decidedly English accent. I should say that uh, he adopted a foreign name as being more suited to his profession.
1: I don't see what you're driving at. What's the connection between Levesque, the owner of the waxworks, and the father of Rose Bishop, the murdered girl? Levesque is the French word for bishop. Great Scott, you think that he knows who the murderer is and... uh... I know only one thing, Watson.
3: I may see what is beneath that black veil. Now, how's my disguise. <laughs>
1: Wonderful! You look exactly like me, but how how do you manage about the voice?
3: Well, I don't think it'll be too difficult, old man. i to back oh, I
1: can't understand half what you're saying. In
3: your own case, old chap, that's a handicap that I've suffered from for years. Rubbish! I'm perfectly intelligent. Now let me see the oh. uh, bullseye lantern. Yes. Uh, Watson, I think I'll borrow your revolver too. I probably won't need it, but uh, for once I think it might be safer for me to go armed. Here, Holmes. Now. Do be careful. I will, old chap. Don't worry. Goodbye. And if I'm not back by two o'clock, you better come to the waxworks and see what's happened to me.
5: Uh, Dr. Watson, you don't mind if I search you? Oh, gracious, no. no of course not. Ah, and, and no, no lantern, please. The uh, moonlight will give you all the illumination that you need. Oh, dear me. A revolver in your pocket. Uh, I'm afraid I can't allow that. Well, no. Once before, a young man who unwisely accepted my bet left bullet holes in some of my finest waxworks before he finally went raving mad. Oh, is me raving really mad, is not it? my Holmes were here. Uh, don't be frightened, Dr. Watson. Many of the waxwork murderers here are all friends of yours. Uh, they'll be good company. I shall come and release you at eight in the morning.
3: Yes, no, no, no. Well,
5: I've sealed all the windows with string and wax. I shall seal the door behind me as I leave. Well, that's very unkind of you. Ah, midnight. Yeah. The bed is on, doctor. You still wish to go through with well, it? Well, I suppose so. Very well, then. I shall leave you now. Yeah. Uh, good night, Dr. Watson. Good night. Pleasant dreams. Pleasant dreams. all the dreams. <laughs>
1: Something about the shadows. Who's come to here with me?
3: Some of the window. Quick, Scott, it's Watson. An hour before his time. Well, you got the seals and the string. Up with it?
5: Uh, Holmes. Holmes, are you all right? Shh. Yes, I'm all right. You came early.
3: But it's just as well. You're carrying a lantern.
5: you left the start, came to Baker Street. He told me there was
1: another murder on the Heath at seven o'clock tonight. Another murder, eh? I started worrying about you, Holmes.
5: Uh I had a premonition of impending danger and I decided to come over here.
1: You're
5: you're not angry with me? Of course not, my dear fellow. I'm glad of your company and I appreciate your concern. Have you
1: looked under the veil of the waxwork figure of the Hampstead Heath murderer yet? No, I was just about to. Your lantern will be most useful. Come on, Watson. Oh, what have you been doing just to
3: just doing nothing? Yes, yes. I, I wanted to give Levec an impression that I was here for the night, and I also wanted to do some serious thinking. I smoked two pipes on the problem, Watson, and I think I know the answer now. I'm willing to swear you'll know the face you see when I lift the veil from the waxen dummy. Here's the figure. Now, hold your lantern a little higher, will you? you? That's it. I lift the veil, and oh, who do we see? Good lord, it's the waxwork figure of Levec himself. Precisely, Watson. An unparalleled example of the self-betrayal inherent in criminal egotism. That they couldn't resist the... Ju- Holmes,
5: the waxwork is moving. Great Scott, it's alive. Yes, gentlemen, which is more than either of you will be in a few minutes. you re-entered this room by a secret door, I suppose. Yes, Mr. Holmes, and since you've displayed such a flattering interest in the Hampstead Heath murderer, I decided to remove the wax figure and appear in person. Look out, Holmes, you've got a revolver. Oh, no, 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 doctor. This isn't a revolver in my pocket. What would the Hampstead Heath murderer want with a revolver? This is a knife. I feel so much more at home with a knife. There are two of us, Livek, Remember that. And both unarmed. Which one of you meddlers wants to die first? Look out, Holmes. Watch it, watch it. together. <coughs> the lantern's smashed. yes. And the moon's fading.
3: What a pity. Holmes, Holmes, where are you? Over here by the effigy of Macbeth i very thoughtful of you to provide him with a dagger, Levek. I wouldn't one, my dear Holmes.
5: <laughs> you can't escape me. I can feel my way in the dark here. I know every inch of this room. You're doomed, both of you. Don't strike a match, Holmes. You'll make a target of yourself. The uh, devil with that. I'm
3: lighting this newspaper. It'll make an excellent torch to set the light to the nearest waxwork. Now, now! Don't burn my waxwork! Wax on a wooden frame? should blaze brilliantly. There
1: we are. Oh.
5: Oh, you devil! You're destroying my life's work! Holmes,
1: that burning wax is pouring all over the floor. The curtains are catching light. The whole place will burn down. Oh, my beautiful museum! Ah, I thought this would smoke you out. Quick watch at him again. What's
3: that
5: knife, Holmes!
3: Well, Mr. Holmes, you've
2: done it again. You've solved the case in a blaze of glory.
3: <laughs> get the point, sir. <laughs> a blaze of glory.
2: Yes,
1: Lestrade, <laughs> I get the
3: point. Thank you very much. You pass that marmalade, will you, Watson? Uh, Holmes,
1: is that the morning paper you brought with you, Lestrade? Yes, Doctor. Uh, want me to uh, read you the headlines?
2: Yes, yes, please, please do. Uh, Amstead Heath murderer captured in fire that destroys waxwork exhibitions. You know, Mr. Holmes, you and the doctor were lucky you weren't burned to death. Never mind the chance you ran of having
3: your throat cut by that maniac. It was fortunate that the police and firemen were on the scene as quickly as they were. Levesque had the strength of ten men.
1: Yes, the strength of a madman. He'll never stand trial, of course.
2: No, doctor. He'll end up in an asylum where he belongs. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Holmes, what made
3: you suspect Levesque? You first gave me the clue yourself, Lestrade. You uh, told me that all the murdered girls were accompanied by men when they were attacked. All of them, save one, Rose Bishop. Therefore, if the murderer was venting a hatred of love, he he had to be someone very close to Rose Bishop to know that she was a suitable victim. That point alone, which I was shockingly slow in observing, should have told us to focus our attention on the father, Mr. Bishop, alias Levesque. Well, your theory was certainly right, Mr. Holmes. You should have heard his
1: ravings after the arrest. He swore his daughter had been ruined, and so he'd killed her, too. Holmes, the, the waxwork figure of the killer, the one with a veil over its face, the features underneath were those of, the, of Levesque himself, weren't they?
3: I'm certain of it, old fellow. You see, he had two great prides. The first, his natural pride as a fine craftsman in wax. The second, his perverted pride as a prominent and successful murderer. These two prides combined suggested to his crazed mind... He make a waxwork figure of himself and range it with the other great killers of history.
1: Yes, but he was cunning enough to protect himself by placing
3: a veil over the face. Precisely, my dear fellow. And when he saw us yesterday and we accepted the wager, he undoubtedly became suspicious and removed the wax figure last night and made his personal appearance as the murderer with every intention of killing us both. Yes, we were very lucky, old chap. If you ask me, Mr. Holmes, you've been very smart. I quite agree, Lestrade.
1: I think you solved the case
3: brilliantly, Holmes. No, 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 no. I've been very sluggish. I solved by circumstance and melodrama what should have been a purely intellectual problem. I'm not pleased with myself. Lestrade, I hope that my name has not been used in that newspaper report.
1: No, it hasn't,
3: Excellent. I want no credit in this case.
1: Well, do you mean to say that you're going to let Scotland Yard get the praise for catching him, Holmes? Why not? Well, that's very generous of you, Mr. Holmes. Uh, It'll make
2: things a lot easier for me. Yes,
1: it certainly will. Holmes, uh, I can't see why you reproach
3: yourself. Because, my dear Watson, like the Hampstead Heath murderer, I, too, have my pride as a craftsman. This case had a clearly defined pattern, and I was unable to recognize it. If you should have occasion to chronicle this story, Watson, and I should prefer that you didn't, I I would like you to entitle it The Education of an Idiot. Oh,
1: come now, Holmes, The Education of an Idiot? That's absurd. I know. Uh,
3: But uh, if you do tell this story, it'll probably end up as a strange case of the murderer in wax.
0: Well, Doctor, that was sure a swell story. You know, that's the kind of story I like. Lots of action. Well, that's the kind
1: of story I like to tell. You know, Mr. Bartell... Although our broadcasts were heard overseas every week through Armed Forces Radio, this is one of the few occasions that I've had the privilege of really telling my story directly to the boys. And it's uh, been a great pleasure for me
0: to be here at, at Camp Roberts. Well, that not only goes for you, but for me too, Doctor. And for the Petrie family. There, there are no words to describe how much our country owes our servicemen. And to all of you, the Petrie family wants to say, just as every American wants to say... Thanks for a swell job. Well, Dr. Watson, what story are you planning to tell us next week?
1: Next week? Well, now, uh, next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm going to tell you one of the strangest adventures that ever happened to Sherlock Holmes. It takes place in a in a monastery high in the mountains of Tibet and concerns itself with an avalanche, an execution, and a murder.
0: Tonight's Sherlock Holmes Adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Adventure of the Second Stain. Music is by Dean Foster. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro Baldwin Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. Petry Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday night on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane... Followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.